this is Tailgate Till May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm back once again to talk about what you care about most in the world of college sports. Got a quick show planned for you today, going to hit on one topic here. But before I get into that, just a reminder, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, and more. If you like what we're doing here on Tailgate Till May, we'd love if you rate us, give us a five-star review, and subscribe to the show. Again, that's Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. Wherever you get your podcast, subscribe to our show. So quick show today, going to do the, the one-topic deal midweek show. And look, everybody, today is National Signing Day for football. I, you might not realize it. You might not know it. But today is what was once the yearly celebration of recruiting where all college football fans across the country were tuned into their computer screens, tuned into their TVs to see what the recruiting landscape looked like for that year, who their favorite team was getting from the high school ranks, who was recruiting well across the nation. And now that is really shifted with the advent of the early, early signing period to December this year, the start of the early signing period, as it's known was December 21st and signing day, national signing day, the regular period is today, February 1st. It goes all the way to April 1st. And there previously was no early signing period. And the reason this was implemented several years ago was to give high school athletes who were just done with their recruitment a chance to finish things up. If they knew where they wanted to go in December, then they could go ahead and commit, sign on the dotted line, be committed, not have to worry about it anymore. The idea was also potentially that it would give coaches a little more time to spend on the still undecided recruits from December until February. I don't think I don't think anybody when this was implemented thought that everybody would end up signing in December. And when I say everybody, I do mean almost everybody. If you go ahead and you take a look at the 24-7 sports composite rankings, just five of the top 100 players have yet to sign letters of intent, and only four are uncommitted. So uh, there's little discrepancy there with the one player who is committed to Colorado, and that's uh, Cormani McLean, a cornerback out of Florida, committed to Colorado, has not signed his letter of intent yet. So he's effectively committed, hasn't signed. But there's only four players in that top 100 where you're wondering, where are they going to go to school? So today is not going to be a day with a lot of news, with a lot to watch if you're a college football fan. And it's really interesting how this has now become such a compressed sport. What was already a compressed sport where you only have games from essentially September, October, November, December, and then one week into January. So a four-month season with an eight-month off season, and then a February signing day. So, you know, give that like a bonus month there of of news when you combine kind of the coaching search stuff and and the recruiting has now been all compressed down into just these four months. And I heard it a lot when we were in bowl season, when we were leading up to that December 21st signing day, coaches were out recruiting 
and then watching tape for their bowl game at night. And I don't know how much anyone has really reaped the benefit of having this early signing period because it's not working the way that I think a lot of people thought it would. So for coaches, they're trying to prepare for a bowl game. They're trying to finish up their recruiting class in the future. This is only going to get worse once we go to this 12-team playoff where you could potentially have signing day, and I gotta, we're not exactly sure how the dates are going to work quite yet, but I, I believe it's possible that you could have signing day in the middle of a week and then you could have a first-round playoff game the following Saturday. Imagine that. You're still competing for a national championship. You have a game that very next weekend, but you have to put all this focus and energy and effort into finishing up your recruiting class, and recruiting is the lifeblood of your program. So what do you focus on in that instance? I mean, we talk about you know, wanting to put full effort and focus into the games on the field, and that should be what's most important. And I, and I would agree. I think as a head coach, as, a, as any coach, an assistant coach, whatever, your focus should be on the players who are currently in your program as much as you possibly can give them, to develop them, to help them compete, to win a national championship. I think that's what you owe to the players in your program and uh, that's what you owe to the fans who come out every week and watch. And that's what you owe to yourself. That's why you do this thing for it. You do this to win games. You do it to win conference championships. You do it to win national championships. But recruiting is what will help you win games and win championships in the future. So we might have a situation in the future where coaches truly have to decide. There's only 24 hours in a day. Do I want to spend my time finishing up this recruiting class, or do I want to put in a game plan for our playoff game in, on Saturday? That's three days away. That's four days away, whatever it may be. And I think that's a real issue, and it's something that we need to figure out. Now, there's also this issue with college football where it's just everything is condensed and compressed into this four, mo four months from a news perspective, from an interest perspective. You can essentially be a college football fan for four months of the year without ever, you, you could take off from January till September, not read a thing about college football, not listen to a thing about college football, and you would essentially kind of get the gist of what's going on by about mid-September. September. If you just turned on your TV on Labor Day, started to listen to the radio, watching college game day, watching games on Labor Day Saturday or the Thursday before Labor Day, it would take you about two weeks, and then you'd pretty much be caught up on everything that's going on in the sport of college football. And I think that's a real problem for the sport of college football. If you look at any of the other major sports, look at the professional sports leagues, and that's what college football is. College football is, for all intents and purposes, a professional sports league. They have strategically planned out their calendars, so there is something interesting for fans essentially 12 months of the year. And for college football, it's all condensed into four months. College football is not at the top of the public consciousness in April, in May, in July. It's 
September, Labor Day, Saturday, through the week after New Year's. That's right now when people want to and need to pay attention and care about college football. And I think that's to the detriment of the sport and will be to the detriment of the sport in the long run. So what are the possible solutions to that? Well, first and foremost, I think if you've listened to me at all since I've been doing this show, you know that I'm a pretty big proponent of college football and college sports as a whole needing to have a more centralized system where power's a little bit more consolidated. It's not so, we don't have all these different power sources across the country. We need everybody kind of working in alignment, somebody with some centralized authority to say, hey, let's all row the boat the same way. Because a lot of times it doesn't feel like in college sports, everybody is rowing the boat the same way. I mean, oh, look, you have one conference, you have a couple conferences stealing teams from other conferences. That doesn't feel like everybody is working together for the good of the sport. So to me, college sports and college football in particular would really benefit from all working together. I think the sport is better when everybody is rowing in the same direction than when you have these conflicting sources of power that are constantly trying to one-up each other for their own financial gain. So let's start there. I think centralizing some of the power would, would be a good start. But the first thing I would do is I would go back to a February signing day. I, I don't really think that it's helping players right now either to have this early signing day because you're just putting more pressure on them to make their decisions earlier. When everybody is signing early, that has effectively become the new signing day. So I think you're really just putting more pressure on high school football players to make their decision earlier. So I don't think there would be really any issue with moving this thing back to February. I think coaches would be in favor of it. And um, really, you give high school students two more months to kind of finalize that decision, make that decision, which is very much in line with when your average run-of-the-mill student who is not playing Division One sports is making their decisions. You know, February, March, April are when a lot of high school students are really getting those acceptance letters and deciding where they're going to go to school. So I would just move signing day back to February. That extends this whole thing out an additional two months. So now you have a four-month football season, and then January is all recruiting talk all the time. Uh, news is breaking. You have this one big day where, you know, all the all the sports channels, all sports radio, all the podcasts are talking about what's going on, who's going to sign where. You have something interesting to talk about for another month. You know what? There's no reason you couldn't even make it in the middle of February. Do it the week after the Super Bowl, mid-February. You get yourself another month and a half of football being in the main, in the mind of the mainstream. Then my most probably radical idea here. We have spring ball right now, and spring ball is something that it's very important. Coaches will tell you it's important to the development of a team. Those practices are important, but for fans, there's not a whole lot you can really watch, you can pay attention to. You'll have a spring game, which is a glorified scrimmage, but a lot of these coaches are secretive. They don't want a lot of media around spring practice. You might be able to read some reports here or there from the folks, who, the beat writers who cover it day in and day out. But sometimes a lot of the practices are even closed to them. So my idea here for spring ball, 
to increase excitement around it is let's do away with in-season FCS games. I hate when FBS schools play FCS schools in the season. I, I don't think it's an entertaining product. I don't think it's worthwhile. I'd rather see FBS versus FBS. One of the arguments you always hear is that, well, those FCS schools rely on that paycheck from FBS schools. So you know what would solve that? You know what would create some interest? You know what would still allow those FCS teams to get a paycheck? Instead of having a spring scrimmage in April, at the end of April, let's play the FCS games at the end of April. That's a game that eh, you probably skip right by in September, in October. The SEC always does it in November, right before their rivalry week. But if you put that game in April, everybody's clamoring for it. To see your team play a school of a different uh, play, another school, a real competition, instead of just a glorified scrimmage, would create some real excitement. It creates TV inventory, which is something that would would generate more revenue. And, you know, these are all kind of things that I think if you eventually get to the point where players are uh, – Bargaining as a unit, there's a there's a CBA, players are signing contracts. This is something where the players and administration can partner to say, okay, this is a revenue-making opportunity, and uh, it could benefit players because players would then be getting a share of it. But this is just another way to create a little bit more interest in the sport. Now you're you're into the spring. Your team is playing a real game, a game that would draw crickets in September or crickets in the end of November, right before rivalry week. Now it's an event. Now it's an event in the spring when you don't have much else going on. And people who are football crazy, this country is football crazy. Certain parts of the country are college football crazy, even more so than NFL crazy, would love to have this game. It keeps money going to the FCS schools to maintain their their whole athletic department, which is the what you always hear about why you can't get rid of these games. And now you actually get to see your team play somebody else in the spring. It feels like a real game. I'm sure the uh, TV companies, media companies, would, would love to have some of that inventory on TV. You've given people another reason to care about college football in April. Now, this next idea to how to expand, expand into May is the one that I'm most unsure of as of right now, because I think there's still some things to think through in terms of how this would potentially impact the, the athletes, the players themselves. But this has to do with transfers. So right now, our transfer window is December 5th. It closes 45 days later on December 18th, 2023. That's for this year. And then another window opens up from May 1st to 15th. Now, those are the times you can put your name in the transfer portal. So basically, immediately after the season ends, and then right after spring practice, you can put your name in the transfer portal. A lot of players have put their name in the portal right after the season ends. They want to get in there, find a new school, get enrolled before the spring semester, do spring ball at their new school, just start getting ready for the new season. And I totally understand that. I see why you might want to do it. I see why coaches might would want that to get a guy in the program, have him start learning the system, you know, have that extra time 
in in your system with his teammates um, and getting him ready for the season ahead. However, thinking strictly about how to create more excitement around this sport for longer periods of time, what if the transfer window opened up strictly after spring ball? It opened up May 1st through May 15th, and then we had a June 15th transfer signing day. So now the entire month of May into June is about transfers. A couple years ago, you would have had Caleb Williams. All the talk would have been about, okay, Caleb Williams is in the portal. Where is he going to go? That would have been happening in May instead of November, right after Lincoln Riley got hired at USC. That would have all been happening in May. Another reason to just push college football up towards the top of people's mind in a time where there's not a ton going on. You have NBA, NHL playoffs. You got some golf going on. Not everybody's cup of tea. Got baseball, regular season, you know, excitement of opening day has worn off a bit. I think it's a time where if this transfer free agency was happening, people would be really into it, really excited, checking in every day. And then you have this big June 15th signing day again where all the TV stations are covering it. That's a really big deal, and it's right at the forefront of people's mind. Now, how is this, would this be good for the athletes. I can see it a couple ways. I Like I said before, I see why you'd want to get right in the portal and you'd want to get started for spring ball, have more time at your new school. However, I do think there's something to be said for if you come in as a freshman, you start school or start fall camp in August, you start school late August, early September, and then you make that decision, you want to leave by December, by December, you've only been there for four or five months. Is that really enough time to know if you want to leave? In some cases, probably yes. In some cases, it might be a rush decision. So I think that there, there may be some benefit to some, some athletes for really giving it a full year. Maybe your freshman year, for example, didn't go the way that you wanted it to during the season. You weren't moving up the depth chart, but then you stick it out and you have an outstanding spring. And you, know, that it's a, you realize, hey, this is a place for me. I can really make my mark here. I can stick this out and I, I can earn playing time next fall. That might be a good thing. So maybe you tweak it like that. It's a, it's a freshman transfer window. If you're a freshman, you have, to, you have to spend one year, and then you can put your name in the transfer portal on May 1st. Maybe that's the compromise there, because I, I get it. If you're a junior, you've spent three years there, and you're like, eh, you know, it's been, it's been three years, been three full seasons. This isn't the place for me, or there's a coaching change. You know, I, I understand that completely. So maybe that's the compromise. Maybe it's the freshman transfer window is May 1st, and then the freshman transfer signing day is June 15th. Just another way to keep college football at the top of the public consciousness for yet another month. So I think that's the one that I, I would love to hear feedback on what the pros and cons of that are because, I, you know, I admit I, I still want to think through that one a little bit more because with all this, I do want to keep, the, you know, the athlete in mind, the player in mind. Um, it's not all just about that, that. That is a huge part of it as you're trying to increase exposure and why I think it's so important that 
the players have the right to collectively bargain at some point because they can then work with the administration, with the athletic directors on how to partner on all this stuff so it is the best for the players while also being able to expand revenue um, and you know earn some of that revenue. So that, I think, is how you can continue this thing to June 15th. And then by that point, you got fall camp starting August 1st. So all of those things in conjunction could potentially take a sport that is four months where the season, the games itself, and the major parts of the offseason are all condensed into four months, and then you turn it really into something that's a nine, ten-month deal. That's our show for today. Love to hear your feedback on this one. Now, I know this is idea. It's a, it's a bit out there. So tell me what you think. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Are you somewhere in the middle? What are your suggestions? Is the offseason perfect right now, or do you want more? Let me know. You can hit me up on Twitter, at Gorgon Sports. You can leave a comment right on Spotify in the review. If you leave a review, leave a five-star review. Tell me what you think about this idea on Spotify, on Apple, on Google, wherever, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you can leave reviews. Let me know there. Hit me up on Twitter, at Gorgon Sports. I will talk to you later this week to do a little bit of a weekend basketball preview. It's February. Basketball is heating up. I love it. I love this time of year. There's so much fun stuff going on in the world of college hoops right now. It's a wide open season, and I'm going to be with you every step of the way until we crown a national champion. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold. <laughs>